Good morning. It is Thursday, May 20th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Colin Kennedy, an analyst at OU 2470, OU Insider site. And, and Colin, it's been a little bit since I had you on here, and I'm doing this um, across the country with the College Football Daily playlist, if you will, all offseason, trying to talk to about every single Power 5 school. So not only is it Oklahoma's turn, but since we are releasing the top 100 transfer rankings today at 24-7 Sports at 11 Central, and OU features heavily into that, I thought it was that was a perfect time to, to have you on to talk about the school that, for my money, is still transfer you. Yeah, it definitely feels like half the roster at this point is structured with incoming transfers, right? I mean, Lincoln Riley, the coaching staff, has done an outstanding job of attacking this thing and supplementing the roster for what they hope to be a national championship run. And so we'll dive into all that, obviously. But, I mean, it's hard to argue that any program – like Oklahoma, has capitalized on the transfer portal in this caliber. And so it's exciting to see how all these pieces fit into the overall grand scheme of the roster. What, what was the shape of the roster when Lincoln took over? And I think he probably had an interesting perspective having already been on staff. And I would imagine if you're a coordinator and you got a head coach, you obviously respect your coordinator and or your head coach and you, know, you cede to him. But you might have an idea or two about something you changed. No, I think when Lincoln Riley took over, I, I really do feel like – he kind of opened his eyes to the impact that transfers can have. And one guy that I would single out, honestly, maybe not necessarily from a production standpoint, but simply from an impact standpoint, is Jeff Bidette coming in from Kentucky. You know, when Lincoln Riley took over as head coach, he had some really big name young wide receivers on the roster at that time. And guys like Marquise Brown or CeeDee Lamb turned out to be pretty good players, right? But at the time, they were both wide-eyed, young, didn't really necessarily know what they were doing, and both really needed a lot of physical development. And when Jeff Bidette came in after being a really productive receiver at UK, he not only came in and gave them kind of the blueprint in terms of how you attack the offseason and how you attack the playbook, but he gave them a mentorship presence. He really took them under their wing, and then you see what they're able to do, not only from the collegiate level, but in the NFL currently. And so I think when Lincoln Riley, in one of his first years as head coach, was able to see a guy like a transfer come in and help his roster overall, both on and off the field, I think that's what really has helped him now look at the transfer portal in a different way. And so you've seen his willingness to go out and find guys that if they fit his program ideals, bring them in immediately. And I think also he's such a relationship built individual that he typically has recruited a lot of these guys in the past. And so when you talk about the transfer portal, when you talk about how Lincoln Riley is going to structure his roster moving forward and how he's built it off the past, I really do think that the transfer portal was a big part of his early beginnings and it's going to be a large portion of how he attacks his future at Oklahoma. Yeah, three Sooners in our in the top 20 of our transfer rankings. We'll dive into that in, in a second. Mm. I had one more transfer question. I do think it's really interesting. I remember after they brought in Jalen Hurts, and that, that's obviously, um, you know, you had gone Baker, who was a transfer, but a mainstay. Kyler, who had the redshirt season or, or was a backup at least. Um, and, then, and then the one and done in Jalen Hurts. And Lincoln Riley was becoming like the guy who brings in the transfer quarterback and spits yeah. them out. And at maybe the expense of development. And then he totally, he says, okay, I'm, I'm done with that. I've got Rattler. I, I love him. Uh, he, he sat behind Hertz. I'm going to see what happens there. And then I'm going to go sign Caleb Williams in 2021. He'll be my guy. And then in 2023, 
I'm looks like I'm going to get Malachi Nelson. So he's done. He's stopped with the transfer quarterbacks for the most part. I know he, he, I think he brought in a, a bat, some depth at the position this year at, at the transfer market, but he's, he's stopped. He's totally stopped doing that probably because if he had done it one more time, he never would have been able to sign a five-star quarterback again. And, and then meanwhile, he loads up on the rest of his roster. Yeah, and look, that's why I point to a guy like Bidette earlier here, because everyone talks about Lincoln Riley and quarterback transfers, right? I mean, it's the mainstream topic of conversation in regards to the transfer portal. But at the same time, I mean, when you look at this this attack in terms of the guys he's bringing in, you hit it on the head. I mean, he's only going to bring in guys where he sees a position of need. And now that Lincoln Riley has laid the foundation of who he is as a coach, obviously one of the better offensive minds in football, to say the least, and also a true developer of quarterback talent, he just needed guys to come in to prove his worth to guys like a Spencer Rattler or a Caleb Williams or potentially a Malachi Nelson. And so Again, the transfer portal is going to be a major aspect of how Lincoln Riley tries to contend for championships moving forward. But at the same time, it's somewhat unfair to base his entire transfer portal attack as we typically have previously on that quarterback position because he's simply doing out of it in necessity in the past. And now that he doesn't necessarily have to, he can change his approach and look to build and bring in other impact transfers at other positions around some of those quarterbacks you're talking about. So it's exciting to see. And obviously you can't rule anything out, right? I mean, who knows what happens a year or two from now? Maybe he goes back to the well and tries to go get a proven guy at the signal caller spot. But at the same time, now that Lincoln Riley is recruiting at the level he is at that quarterback position, it's just hard to see him going back to the Bakers, the Kylers, the Jalens of the world when you've now started to prove that you can go out and get the Spencers and the Calebs and potentially the Malachis. At number two in our rankings, and I'm cool with spoiling it, uh, it's a reward to everyone who listens before 11 Central. We've got Eric Gray, the running back. He, he moved yeah. up a few spots, transferred from Tennessee. He's now the number one running back for us. Uh, we've got Wanya Morris at number seven, also from Tennessee, an offensive tackle. And then Key Lawrence, also from Tennessee, a safety. Uh, he's at number 20. He's also considered a 90. So it's, it's all those guys are, are, are probably future NFL guys. Eric Gray at the time felt like a luxury ad. And now with Seth McGowan off the team, it feels like Eric Gray is definitely going to be the guy. I was, I mean, watching him in the spring looked pretty dang good. I know Kennedy Brooks is back, but this feels like OU's next thousand yard rusher now. I think he's in a thousand yard rusher and I definitely think he's an impact presence in the receiving aspect of things. I mean, the first play of the spring spring game, he catches a first down on the outside and you're sitting here thinking this guy's just got to be an ideal fit. And you know, it's fascinating, Trey, because at the time when he was brought in, there wasn't necessarily a ton of fans necessarily thrilled about him coming in because look, I mean, everyone wanted the five-star incoming freshman running back. They thought maybe we should have saved the the scholarship spot for a younger player, but got to keep it simple here. I mean, Eric Gray was someone who was a true impact SEC player, was first on the team in rushing yards at Tennessee, and was like the second leading receiver in an offense that you felt like just kind of went run on first down, run on second down, run on third down punt. You know what I mean? So now he comes in into a system to where he's going to be utilized in different ways. Like I said, he was out wide in the first play of the spring game, then has a couple of big time plays running the ball in between the tackles. And 
you talked about Kennedy Brooks. They wanted a complimentary presence to him. A guy who, like I always say, makes eight yards look like four. He's just kind of a chain mover. He has a lot of yardage and production, but at the same time, he doesn't always generate those huge plays that not only you want to see as a coaching staff, but you want to see as fans, right? And so Eric Gray is going to provide all those buzzwords that we talk about, the surge, the the highlight reels, whatever you want to talk about with him. And I think it's really interesting, the concept of also the two back sets and how they're going to utilize these two together. Because you mentioned it, while the running back room is a little bit thin now in terms of numbers, I think Lincoln Riley also wants to find different ways to utilize player personnel packages and find those mismatches defensively. And I think Eric Gray is a perfect example of that. We're going to be really interested to see how he's utilized come the fall. But I mean, there's a reason why this guy is now, like you said, the number two transfer in the top 100. He comes into an offensive system that should utilize him in really effective manners. And he's just a really impressive talent. And I think his early impact has already been felt at Oklahoma. I don't know if you meant to do it, but it felt like you were sort of indirectly alluding to Kamar Wheaton, who felt like an Oklahoma lock, the 2021 five-star running back and ends up going to Alabama. What's the second year in a row that it felt like a OU lock. Um, Jason McClellan ended up at Alabama too. So that's got me going down this rabbit hole, Colin. So so bear with me and tell me if that's not what you meant to do. But um, even if it isn't, I, I think there's there's something here. So Oklahoma, I mean, this is the best transfer class in college football. Like Alabama's up there, Jameson Williams, Henry Toto, but OU's got a ton of guys. Uh, Mike Woods, the receiver from Arkansas too, he's going to be a good player, I think. How is the fan perception as we circle back to Kamar Whedon and not getting him? I remember a lot of disappointment there on your message boards and a lot, a lot of disappointment when Tristan Lee, the five-star tackle, didn't go to Oklahoma and went to Clemson instead. I would imagine the last few months of, of portal action has, has Lincoln Riley has totally massaged any concerns about how he builds a roster with his, with his fan base who, who might've been a little mad at him a few months ago. Yeah. Look, everyone's all right with getting some new commitment, whether it's the five-star offensive tackle running back, or it's the big name transfer coming in from an SEC program. Right. And so I think the biggest thing is, I mean, we've talked so much about how Lincoln Riley and the transfer portal has become a major portion of his attack as a head coach and a roster structure type of guy. But I also think that I think he's really comfortable as a head man going all out for some of those big names that you're talking about. And if he doesn't get them, I think there's kind of a sense of, I don't know. I I just think there's a sense that this staff can go out and get the right guys in the transfer portal if they're unable to hit the home run in terms of the big name prospect. And to this point, I think that's been proven, but is it a sustainable approach? I don't know. I do think though that after this season, depending on how the outcome arrives, you won't necessarily have to worry about that type of outcome as much, if that makes sense. Now, if Oklahoma goes back to the same type of mannerisms and ends the season as we've seen in the past, then maybe we're seeing more big name transfers replacing some of those five-star targets that we're talking about. But obviously the hope is that, hey, let's go out and get these impact transfers to hopefully replace the big names we were after And maybe they can help us push towards not only a national championship, but even more recruiting pedigree so that we don't have to necessarily go out and find these guys who are former collegiate players. And maybe in the end, it'll help us really try and get into those top tier four-year type of guys. Well, you make a great point because this is OU's OU's year. And if you're going all in, you'd rather have a proven guy like Eric Gray than Kamar Wheaton and then a proven tackle like Wanya Morris than Tristan Lee for for the one year at least. So I've got OU two. 
on my early top 25. I've seen a lot of people have them won. They're going to win a playoff game, aren't they? Aren't they, Colin? This is this is going to happen. You know, it's it's a bit of a trap because there are portions of those around the program who are definitely in that side of things, right? This is the year. This is it. This is finally the opportune time. And I definitely agree. Look, if not now, when? I mean, that's the saying that we all applied to the Big 12 around this time last year when it came to Oklahoma and the rest of the conference trying to dethrone it. And now it can easily be the saying that applies to the Sooners going into 2021. If you don't capitalize on a season where Alabama is starting fresh at quarterback and has a number of roster vacancies, especially on the offensive side of things, where Ohio State is starting fresh at quarterback, where Notre Dame, where Clemson, I mean, all of these big names, staples of the college football playoff are going through some really unique roster situations. If you don't go out there and surge into your first playoff victory and then potentially a national title, I mean, when is it going to come? Because there's only so long until all of these programs really set back into the groove that we've seen time and again. And so for Oklahoma, I mean, I don't want to call it do or die because that obviously inclines to some fans who don't want to dive into the layers that, oh, well, that means Lincoln Riley's on the hot seat. No. But if you're Lincoln Riley, if you're Oklahoma, you're sitting here, you're saying, okay, the college football playoff landscape works out to where it perfectly fits our opportune time to go and win a championship. But also we have a defensive coordinator who's helped us get here who might not be here much longer. And we have personnel on this roster who might be leaving pretty soon as well. I mean, there's just a lot of variables to where, yes, it seems like this is finally the time, but I'm also on the other side of this where for me, I got to see it to believe it. I mean, until Lincoln Riley and in, in Oklahoma finally bucks that that typical stereotype, I mean, I just don't know. I, I think Ohio State's going to be a really good football team this year. I think Alabama's going to be a really good football team this year. Clemson, I mean, you go down the list, Georgia, Notre Dame, whoever you want to throw out here, it's not just going to be given. And I, I think that all of these preseason expectations and high rankings are certainly justified. But at the same time, like I said, if not now, when? I mean, when's got to be shown and it has to be now. And if it isn't, then we're right back to square one. I don't think he worries about it as much as like maybe I would because he's going to be a multimillionaire soon. And, you know, he's he's Spencer Rattler. But I would imagine playing quarterback at Oklahoma while being extremely awesome is it's probably a little little tough at a certain point to carve out a legacy unless you're doing something absolutely phenomenal, Colin. Like when when we were young and and sort of coming of age in in college football fandom and Bob Stoops was getting it going, it was, you know, Heupel to Hibble to Jason White and Sam Bradford, a few guys in between. And then Lincoln Riley gets going and it's it's Baker, it's Kyler, it's Hertz, it's Rattler. Most programs, any of those guys would be among the top would be on their Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, right? And for Oklahoma fans, I hope they realize how how lucky they are, but it's it's they get one of those special types almost every single season. So you have to really be pretty good to differentiate differentiate yourself. You've got to either win a Heisman as most of those guys have done, or you got to win a national title. If Spencer Rattler wins a national title this year, and I know I'm getting way ahead of myself. I like really way ahead of myself, especially what uh, considering what you just said. If he wins a national title this year, does he have a chance to I don't know probably not be the best Oklahoma quarterback ever. That's that's a, quite the mouthful. But where would he begin to then slot when you think about a Baker or a Sam Bradford or a Jason White or a uh, Kyler Murray? Yeah, hell, I mean, you, you talk about all these guys. I mean, Landry Jones still yes, holds yes. all these records, and he just is like side-carded, you know what I mean? I find it hilarious, and he has his own reputation. But, I mean, it's like like you mentioned – 
Oklahoma fans have had it so well to the point where like a guy like Landry Jones puts up ridiculous statistics is kind of just swept to the side as Bakers and Kylers and so on and so forth go in and out of this program. And so for Spencer Rattler, I I look at this on, on two different sides. Okay. Baker and Kyler, for example, I think that's kind of his ceiling, especially in a, a season last year where obviously he took a couple of early losses, slipped up, led Oklahoma to a bowl game, but not that playoff berth that they were hoping for. Now, obviously, the two previously mentioned won a Heisman Trophy. So if you're Spencer Rattler, you're looking at this, you're saying, okay, Sam Howell's coming back in North Carolina. JT Daniels is at Georgia. There's a lot of these young quarterbacks across the country. Do I think there's a decent level of competition for me in terms of that trophy race? Yes. But North Carolina in a much improved ACC, a lot of competition to be faced there for the Tar Heels. So a couple of slip-ups could be very realistic. Then you look at Georgia, JT Daniels loses his top target. Obviously, they're in the SEC. It's going to be a gauntlet at some point. They're going to have to eventually try and battle it out in the SEC championship. And so long story short, if you're Spencer Rattler, you have a pretty favorable schedule. You're in a conference that you're the clear-cut favorite. You have the talent around you to go compete for a championship. And you have all the ability in the world as an individual, and you've gone through all this adversity in the past. So for him, I mean, we talk about if not now, when for Oklahoma, like this is Spencer Rattler's basically final moment to cement his legacy at OU. And so for me, let's say he goes out there and he wins a Heisman Trophy that I think very realistically he should be the favorite for at this time, and then leads Oklahoma to a national championship. If he gets there and honestly just wins one playoff game and that Heisman Trophy, I really do think you have to throw him in there with some of those big name quarterbacks that you mentioned. And then if he goes out and does it, he finally gets this thing done for the first time since 2000. I mean, he's got to be in the discussion as one of the best to ever come through Norman. And so while that's not necessarily something that I think a lot of fans would appreciate because I think the Spencer Rattler reputation is a little bit clouded. I do think that Rattler at the end of the day will leave the program. If he does what we're talking about as someone who will be viewed in a very rare company when it comes to Oklahoma and that position that's so coveted across the country. I mean, he's got everything ahead of him if he wants to be in that regard. And then if he doesn't, accomplish those things, a Heisman, a playoff run, win a game there, maybe win two and win the Natty. Then Colin, you know, he's in Landry Jones territory without the extremely prolific four-year stats. So, I mean, that's a lot to chew on. We got transfer you, we got playoff or title or bust. We've got legacy on the line for Spencer Rattler. This is going to be an outstanding season in Norman, Oklahoma. Colin Kennedy, we appreciate you joining us. Follow him on Twitter at CKennedy247. My name is Trey Scott. Our producer is Lance Glenn. We will talk to you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.